0: Oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes, boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes, boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes, boy. Be oh, oh, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes, boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes, boy. Be oh my, I have and thank you very much for tuning in to the third and final part of my podcast with Aaron Smith. Again, just a heads up that this episode will be running about a minute before the last one ended to give you guys a quick refresh as to what Aaron was talking about before I cut things off. And in the case that there are any new listeners, I please do urge you, if you do enjoy this episode, please go back and look at some of my older content where you will find similar interviews. But yeah, very grateful for you all for tuning in over the last couple of weeks. Thank you very much to Aaron for this opportunity. And I can't wait to see what this journey has up for me next wasn't as well one of the moments that springs to me off the top of mind was the come from behind win at Forsyth now you were on the field when the boys scored that last minute try for Bodie but like what are those moments like and like when you're in the pressure cooker of the All Blacks you know you're down by a try you know take it back to Ireland when um Colsey throws the offload to Ryan Crotty in the corner like what are those pressure cooker moments like because you say that you embrace it but like, what are you boys saying to each other to just stay present and not you know, get too overworried about what's happening in the crowd, what the scoreboard's doing, and, you know, coming out on top in those big moments. Because New Zealand, up until probably the early 2000s or after the 07 World Cup, like after all that heartbreak, we didn't do very well in those moments. Mm. But it seems to have been something that's really um, emphasized uh, in in the environment at the moment with, uh, you know, the likes of Fozzie and before him, Steve Hansen and Graham Henry. So, Yeah, can you take us into what the team talk is like in those moments?
1: It probably sounds pretty simple, but it's probably, it really just becomes down to that, as I've talked about, like the process of the moment and there's probably less said. We all know what the stakes are right now and this is really critical and it might be just whatever is the critical thing in that. We're going to this line out, we're doing this play. Okay, now your role. And it can be as simple as that. You all know. Yeah, three minutes to go we're down by five okay we need a try so uh, rito and especially in those senses you know what he's going to say he just gives you the confidence that we're doing this do your role and and that's what you train for and and like i said about those thursday trainings we practice those scenarios all the time fozzy always sends guys off he'll send sam wallack off because he calls a line out who's going to call a line out we need to win now or he'll send a 10 off, so who's going to run the game? Or he'll send in a hooker, so who's going to throw it in? We have those scenarios playing out all the time. So when you get one chucked at you for real, okay, we've got a red card, what do we do? We, it's not the first time we've thought about it. As a spine group, the two, the eight, the lock, the line-out caller, and the nine, 10, and 15, we all have meetings and chats around, if this guy gets sent off, how does our game change? It was like when Artie got sent off in the weekend. We knew what how our game changed, but it doesn't just shut our game down because we're down a guy. No, it just means we can't do certain plays because Artie mm. carries right. Artie's a very good carrier. <laughs> so we can't do that move. But that's it. Sounds like people are like, "Oh, we're just winging it," and we there's no winging to anything. There's always a plan that's been talked about before the game, and then you've got experiences of guys that have played plenty of games that know what to do, we just gotta get the message. So we do the old fake hooker go down so we can have a chat. Yeah, like the old yeah, yeah, go down yeah,
0: front right, row, yeah.
1: And then you just get the message. So but we have those chats, the spine group, the captain, the line out caller, the nines, tens and and that. And you just talk about scenarios. And then, you know, the way certain teams like to do it. So now in, in the um, All Blacks, we've got a great mall or set piece. So we're going to use that. Let's use it. If we can waste time here, where do we want to? But when we get the ball, we can't just shut up shop, not use the ball. Um, and, yeah, like you always notice, like, the good teams, when 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 you lose someone in that. now what are you going to do? And And, you know um it's it's about you know embracing those situations as i say but yeah like the island island game 2013 like out of the gate unbeaten year and then you know tapping the ball with three minutes to go i was like holy shit we 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 make a mistake here we lose but i wasn't thinking about making a mistake we were thinking about how do we get a try when we haven't been able to score one since the 10th minute
0: (laughs) oh yeah so those in those pressure moments like um Who's the coolest customer you've played with? Is there anyone that Carter. just stands out? But...
1: Carter. Easy. Carter and McCall were just, un, un, and Rita, just like, didn't matter if you were winning by 50 or down by 10. It was the same. Just drones. Just like, they celebrate a moment or a thing, but they would be back in task very quickly. And Carter ran the attack, and he talked quite, but he wouldn't talk any louder than this stadium's roaring he's just like sweet boys we're gonna do this and this and this and you're like okay bro <laughs> like bro straight up you got like me and Ma and onu and they're like ra, ra, ra. And then he's just like boys boys we're gonna go to this we're gonna go here and then we're gonna kick over there and you're like okay this is sweet. and mccall was the same like very man a few words but when he spoke it was like cool and it was always so calm And like I said about like, and then Rito later in my career too, like they just, they say something, they mean it. And it was like, they didn't have to say it with the the, apple punch. It's just like that. And it's probably something I've tried to take on as a, as a captain and that as well as, you know, as a halfback and that you think you're all passionate, but to get a clear message across saying it, looking a guy in the eye and saying it confidently and calmly, you know, it's not, you're not getting told off. You're not getting told what to do. You're just getting told a fact and, he believes in it, obviously. If he was like, Ooh, <laughs> you don't believe that. But those two just straight away come to mind. Bender's the same. Well, with the Highlanders, there was some situations where, we and he just like, I like Bender's way too. We'd been behind in some games, and he's like, oh well, boys, they got that one. Let's go get it back. And you're just like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like sometimes it's not the not a lot of words that need to fix something. Sometimes mm. it's just owning that. Hey, they've just they get, they had a moment but let's get the next one.
0: Crazy. And so, like, for you, have you ever been, like, start, like on the topic of Carter, bro, because, you know, he's a god, but has there ever been a moment in your career where either playing against or training with where you've just been starstruck and you're just like, I don't know, like, oh, what yeah. the heck? Like, I'm dream. I'm, this is, like, dream world right now.
1: Probably that May in 2012, 2012, when I made the, the All Black camp, I stayed with Carter as my roomie and I come in, and he was lying on the bed in his jockeys, I was like, hey, bro, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> felt like I'd come into a photo shoot, uh, but yeah, I was like, hey, mate, and he was so cool and calm, and and we had a meeting in, like, two hours, we'd all flown in on the Sunday, and um, yeah, he just slept, and I was sitting there shitting myself, and then the next day, like, I remember hearing him, like, and he's like, yeah, Nuggie hit me right one step, and I was like, shit, that's Dan and you know, and Colin Slade was there and like guys like you just like bah and hit, passing the ball to him and then probably the biggest one was out of feeling, out of moment, out of body experience I had was that test debut. I put the jersey on and I looked around and I was like, That's what you dreamed of and that's like it was just like mm. I'm in this dream, like holy shit and I like looked down the the silver fern. I put this jersey on, and I just felt like a million bucks and then there's McCaw, there's Carter, there's Nonu, there's I was just like, oh my God, give me alarming. It's like and then I remember like singing the anthem, looking up, and then on the big screen, and I was like in the in the screen, in a black jersey. I'd watch this, I'd watch hundreds of tests as a kid. I'm watching this, and then I remember seeing doing the huck and I could see it on the screen. I'm like, I'm in the hucker. Like, oh my god. This and then the ball kicked off. I was like, I'm playing the game. <laughs> like, It was just like, what the, and I'm, yeah, like, that first year was like that, and I was just like, kid in the candy store, just like, what's going on, like, then we went to South Africa, and we won, and then we went, came home, and then we went to UK, like, went to England, Ireland, England, Ireland, Wales, France, and I was like, man, like, this is cool, (laughs) I could get used to this, like, it was like, bro, like, and you stay, like, when you travel to All Blacks, it's awesome, like, we stay in lovely places, you only get one day off, but you do the best thing in that town every time, like, go to a castle, or you go to a, whatever it is, wherever you are, you know, like, UK, and that's cool, um, and you just, yeah, but then the stadiums, and the games are full, and, like, you know, it was just like that, but that 212 was like that the whole time, like, just like, oh! You know, and, and yeah, just stuff like that, and was we am going to try in South Africa and like McCall picked me up and Carter was there. And it was like, Oh my God, I'm one of the boys. Let's go. It was like, you know, I was just like living a dream, bro. It was like, how am I here?
0: Sorry, sorry. Bro, so like even just you talk about like being in those moments and, and being with those players, like how was that, you know, obviously like rugby, you know, and you boys have talked about it a lot, like how being an all-backs of privilege and you don't take it for granted, but, you know, turn up year in, year out with the schedule that you boys have. I think you only get like a couple of weeks off every year and maybe a couple of weeks in between competitions. How do you keep yourself so refreshed and appreciative in that moment and ready to go? Because, I mean, you've been at it for so long now and, you know, you've been relatively injury-free, so you haven't missed a lot of games or had much downtime. So... Is there been like a uh, an inclination of steps where you've just implemented them into your preparation for games to make sure, yeah, like you're appreciative of the moment and, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm trying to go with that question, but yeah, do you get what I'm trying to say,
1: was Saying like, I think early in my career, I'd, I'd like run out of steam, kind of end your tour, like mentally, and I'll mm. kind of just check. I'd just get through, where kind of after 2013, I had that second year syndrome hard, like I turned up thinking. I could do it all because I was an all black the year before and it didn't work. So after that, and then physically learning how to layer the year, like not looking at it as a whole thing, but then listening to the programming around, like you've got to keep squatting. You've got to keep like heavy bar work. You've got to monitor your fitness, but keep your skin folds down. Like you've got to keep little things in check to help you. Cause when you're in that real grind with the all blacks around playing 12 or 11 tests, you know, over a Hmm. 15 week period, You're match fit, so just knowing that, but, you know, you can when you're not training as hard and you're trying to eat and drink the same, you can't, like, you've got to keep your body in the shape it needs to be, but the way it is these days, it's so easy to look after your body. I reckon that, yeah, it's just, you can't, you don't want to get off the treadmill because you'll fall off. I kind of think about it like that, like, I never stop training, so I never lose too much because you have a big break, you got to get it back and then get ahead again. Yeah. Where in this life, you can't stop. Yes, you're not playing games, but you can't stop the body moving. Like I used to, in those early years of the All Blacks, 2012 to 14 kind of thing, I'd have like a month off and then I'd use all January to get it back. And it was not worth it. Like, it was so much pain to get back to where I was. Whereas sort of, sort of going into the World Cup year, I trained really hard over summer and it just helped my year oh, yeah, this is easy, and then monitoring my body, keeping my nutrition strong. But then, like, you learn little things around planning treats on your weeks off, having a week off of rugby stuff, so road runs, bikes, bushwalks. Like, you can keep your body moving without doing rugby repeat speed on the field. But that's something you learn around. That would, that would be, for me, around always training all the time, every day, at least do something in the off-season, and having a plan, so I have like a week. I do my own stuff, and then I plan my whole off season around with my trainers. Around, okay, what are we trying to do? To be any good, you gotta, you can't, you can't let your foot off the off the pedal. And you can see that why the Carters and the and the Thorns and they they played for 17, 18 years because they never stopped looking after their bodies, you know. And yeah, and that's sort of where I've got to with it is knowing what works for me around my body and and and. That is number one is I keep my body in tremendous shape so I can perform. And it doesn't matter if I'm playing next week or in a month, it'll I'll still turn up. I won't have like a couple of weeks off and then train. I'll just constantly trying to sharpen the axe and, and um yeah, because whatever if you waste it, I used yeah, I can't believe I used to just chill for like a couple of weeks and then it take like it takes longer to get it back. I tell mm. you it's so hard to it's easy to burn it. But man, it's so hard to get it back.
0: And so how has that changed for you over the course of your career? Because, you know, obviously with age, the body doesn't take the knocks as well. And so you have to put a bit more into recovery. And again, like there's been stories of you, like after games you're up with, I think it was Ken Lavenbro, And he said that he was over in Japan when you boys had just finished playing the Sunwolves and he got up the next morning. So I think he was staying at the same hotel and you and Ash Dixon are on the bike, you know, just getting like your active recovery and flushing out all that crap. So... Mm -hmm. And you again, you've talked about how much you invest into your body to make sure that you stay on top of your game. And it's probably the reason why your game's almost gotten better because of the way that you look after yourself. So what's like? where did that process start? Like, Did it start with listening that LeBron invest like a million dollars into his body or like the, the Brady, like the TB12 playing bro? Like, how did that all kick start for Aaron Smith?
1: I think for me, it was more around my skin folds. Like I keep bouncing around in the season. Like I'd be like... 60 skinnies, and then 71 one month, like, just through, and and I think the biggest thing for me, and I quit drinking in 2018, so 2018 November was my last piss-up, blowout, as I'd want to call it, and uh, it was sort of the last thing in the transformation for myself that I had to do, and it's been the best thing, nothing but positivity has come from me quitting drinking, and um. My skin folds stay regular all year um, I'm fit strong ready to go um, the alcohol used to just knock me you know I used to have love to have a beer and have big nights and it would just take me a couple of days to get over it and you know and chasing what I wanted to get to and to where kind of like achieving the hundred games was like that was worth it I really enjoyed partying and that with the boys but I wanted to be really good at rugby and I knew that the drinking wasn't helping me and I had to get rid of it, and it did, and it was hard at the start, but saying no to it now makes me more resilient and proud, but when I wake up Sunday morning ready, to, like, I'm sore and tired, but I'm doing recovery, getting my body moving again. Like I said, like, you're on the treadmill. It's, there isn't any pain if you don't stop. It's just constant. You're constantly under something, and if not, you create it. You, you do a session there puts you in that locker if you're not playing a game like I'm thinking about what I'm gonna do on Saturday so you know it's just that and like I did a lot of little bit of investing around what do they do recovery wise always for me like I love ice baths and I love saunas so I started researching around that so I bought a sauna ice bath at home and then I start I do incline walks slow steady ones most mornings before the day starts so 6am I go and walk on a treadmill and it just burns calories it's low impact but it wakes my body up so that's my little nugget of secret that keeps me lean keeps me strong but it wakes me up it's a it's a routine it's um builds resilience and it's i don't want to do it all the time but i actually know when i do do it i know that i'm instantly ahead of people because i'm working harder than you i've already done a session before i've even turned up to a session or I do that session and passing and that. And I know when I walk into a meeting, I've done more than you already and you can't catch me. And I'm ahead of you because I've done this and you were in bed till 7.30 where I've done two or three trainings by then. So it's about getting ahead. And it's not about going out there running 10Ks. No, I just, I I walk about three to four, I think it's four and a half Ks is 500 calories. And I do that early in the week. And then I'm trudging on my stretching, my recovery, what I put in my body food-wise. I know what I can eat. I know when I need to carb up. And I know my weight and my skin folds are critical to me performing well. And I get my skin folds done every two weeks. My weight, if I ever see an 82, I know I've done, I've eaten something on that. So I know my body so well now, I can, before I get on the scale, I can go 81.4 jump on and yeah so you got to get to that level with it because the bot my body is my weapon it's my tool that's what keeps me going all the skills in that you can practice but if my body can't do what i want i can't execute the skills and i chase that all year round that physical high expectations of my body doesn't mean i have an eight pack but i know what my weight and skin folds are to give me that performance and even then, like I said, it went to another level in lockdown where I kind of went a little harder and yeah, I was able to hold the weight.
0: So are you like constantly in talks with like the All Blacks nutritionists and stuff like that? And or is it, well, yeah, I was going to say, is it something that you've just, you, you know yourself, okay, I know I can have XYZ for breakfast, XYZ for lunch. And if I'm I the running, same, doing extra runnings? Same
1: way, but like really, you know, like, yeah. So my nutritionist, our meetings are pretty boring. She just says, have you tweaked anything? I keep, in the All Blacks, it's so easy because it's all there. So Highland is a bit more different, but like I said, I know where I'm at with my weight. My walks keep me lean and strong anyway and builds that resilience in my legs, I reckon, just hardens them a little bit because I always kind of, it's a low impact, but it starts the day for me. And then, uh, yeah, just with the uh, skin folds, it's the best form of accountability. Like what you put in, don't lie you know you're drinking mm. or eating it shows up and we're, we're talking like five or six mils and people will not even know like that's a matter but for a rugby player and if your body is your weapon that's that's a lot that's that's five five mils is a whole kg so you know you feel bad saying you think you're kind of fat in that at the moment but it's just more in, in, in the sense of rugby you feel like you have like blown out of it i just never want that and i used to have that a lot in my earlier career i'd be like quite chunky and i looked quite nuggety and fat as i call it a big bucket ass but yeah just i didn't want that i wanted to always look supremely ready to go and it's been great like it's a constant battle with myself around i don't always want to do it but yeah it gets hard as you get older but when you see the results when you get achieved goals and get targets you want it's all worth
0: it bro that extremely little detail obviously like takes you that extra bit further and a lot of people got that insight to when they watched your sky sport documentary earlier this year along with a couple of the other boys and i guess it just really showed that you're a student of the game and before we get into some of the stuff you're doing off the field bro because i'm a nine and i want to pick your brain about this stuff and for me like i put up a graphic the other day about your kicking and how far that's come because i think initially you know you were known as your passing but over the years you've just rounded out your game to where you're not just this type of halfback but you're a tactician over the course of your career, like I know you've talked about the, the likes of Furry Dupree and how much you admired his play. So uh, how much do you actually like look? I know you've talked about the boys like in your own environment and look to take, you know, some of their strengths, but knowing what your game is. But has that been something that like has been like a real focus for you? Like not just being, you know, known for your past, but then to just have this, yeah, this this massive tool belt?
1: Yeah, just I I think I could always kick the ball. I just wanted to be, I wanted to have a great box kick. And with Tony Brown, he unlocked a lot of different types of kicks for me. Like I can pull out from a maraca kick to a corner very accurately and it roll out and different types of kicks. And um, yeah, it's just like passing for me. I love practicing something, getting good at it, repetition, getting good at it that you don't have to think or worry. So that's what I try to do with my box here. If I get set, I get the blockers in, I trust I can execute skill. And if not, why not? I'll, I'll have a good read on what happened if I dropped it didn't drop it on the angle I like, if I leant back or if I slipped or I didn't quite, you know, I didn't drop it in the line I like. So just stuff like that. And it was nice to see that around the box kicking, but I always wanted to be an all round halfback, as I said, around. I felt like I could always pass and kick and run, but it was more the tackling I needed to improve on earlier in my career. But the longer box kicking became more prevalent in the game, I just loved that because I always loved box kicking and um, I love doing that role and creating pressure through a good kick or creating spill opportunities you know, it's, it's awesome and to be able to relieve pressure and, you know, I love like seeing an opportunity, you know, wingers up putting it in the corner, rolling it out in the 22 there's no better feeling really so being able to do little cuts without, you know, just constant, little run here little pop ball here long cut out ball there kick to the corner there box kick there like you just want to be you want to have like you want to be a total threat and like we talked about the weight thing and then the 80 kgs but physically don't look it but if you can play at a speed they just never can feel like they have you tied down you know so Hmm. I use this a lot and watch a lot of footage in that around opportunities like if you see some wingers they're like really bad at around the 40 meter line they kind of stand up and like defend so I'm like I won't show the box. I just know because I've seen the clips. He's there. I'm going to turn here and kick it there. And that is an easy kick. And, like, done hundreds of them, so thousands of them, so you don't even have to know. And trying to use my left foot to the left corner too, like, you just watch enough clips, trust yourself enough, and you play with good first fives, so you see stuff for you too. You know, and they communicate opportunities for me to kick even better because I know I can just back my skill with opportunities there. And I love that. Like Mitch Hunt's great at that for me the Highlanders. He sees kicks that I can do and communicates it.
0: That's the perfect segue into my next question. It was around film and film study. Now, again, like with me being caught up with all the American sports, you know, you hear about LeBron and Brady and all the others almost investing just as much time as they spend in the weight room and on the field as they do studying their opponents and even just fine-tuning their own game. So how much of that do the All Blacks do as a collective? And then how much do you do as your own extras?
1: I think Super and All Blacks are very similar. Like, they put together, like, a, an attack booklet and a defence booklet around their trends and our trends and then, like, you know, who are their threats, what are the triggers, but um, they're pretty detailed, mate, both All Blacks and Super, like, around big D presentations. Um, the team likes to go here. They usually do this shape off nine, usually do this. Like, every team has their trends. I just, you know, I love watching the games um, like in full and I just watch them from different angles and views and I look for tells off nines and when they do this, they do that. um, Whenever they go here, like you just look for little things I need to know. I don't watch a whole, a whole, whole lot. I just watch things I need to see, especially as a defending nine, trying to outsmart, predict where they're going to go. So if they don't get momentum off nine, they go back the blind. Trying to suffocate them like that, and just let my forwards know I got their backs. And um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely watch clips. But I definitely more watch. I watch to learn things as well, but more around that. Like the I, I watch a lot of stuff on my own skills. Like I get my skill session videoed after after training, so I can watch what I'm doing, and if there's anything there, I have footage of older stuff so I can compare. When I think my pass was really good and why it looked like that and how it was coming out, so I was looking at that kind of stuff the other day. Around 2018, I felt like my pass was at its best, so I was looking at well, why did, what walls are doing, and it was cool just to look back because that's something we got. We're lucky we can do too. So I look at a lot of stuff, like I said, what tells can I see? I love to outsmart people, call out a play before they're doing it, like I said. But processing, that's just the game, you know. It's cool. And the more experiences you be in, the more you trust the instincts. So I don't have to watch a whole lot of clips to be able to understand what a team, like the Hurricanes attacks like this. I've played plenty of Hurricanes teams. They have a brand of rugby they play. It's probably going to be like this. Um, and then if you play certain positions, like TJ's playing, they, they'll play this certain way. Brad Weber's playing, they'll play this certain way. They'll kick exit like this. Brennan, Mitch, Mitch um, Drummond, they play like this, looking for their threats. What are their tells? So it's just like that. But I, I do a lot more breaking down of my own skills of box kick, where I dropped it, how did that come out? Passing, where did I finish up? Was my foot close? Did I grip the ball right? Is my thumb ripping? Like, yeah, more of that stuff.
0: So is that again, there's that level of detail that we got to see when you did that, Docco. And even on that, how was did you enjoy that experience? What was that like having like the cameras follow you around? Like how did oh, the rest of that we roll out?
1: It was hard because all the boys are gonna be shit. They were just staying away from me the whole week. And they're like, Can you like get interactions? I was like, I was trying to just get normal organic ones. But mm. I think when I knew it was there and I was doing my stuff, I wanted to be as honest and as normal as possible. Like I was like, oh, I'm gonna tell you when I'm training, come if it's early in the morning or that. And that was more where I wanted to go with it was just show the inside. Be honest and raw like when i was talking about my passing not feeling that great like being honest like i just didn't feel like it was at the level i liked and it was cool it, it's um it's it's tough because you don't want to give away the environment secrets you want but i was very great, grateful that the highlanders let them follow us around and there was a lot of stuff they couldn't put in because there's team stuff talking about other teams and players and but you know the showing what I do and it was good to see Antons and Nani's and and that and Richie's was cool too because he's on another level too and you know it's cool because you know my grandma still thinks we just run around the field all day so it cracks me up.
0: For me like who's just like a sports junkie it was something that I thought was long overdue having that insight like I've watched um, I don't know if you've watched the the real old school movies like the it's one that just got came out on the All Blacks YouTube. Um, uh, like the good, the bad, and the rugby, and uh, you know, like the old like Rick Salizzo films, where it's like a real insight yeah. into what the boys are like. And as fans, because there is sort of like a, a gap between us in a way. It's getting better now because of the likes of social media. And you're one of the more prominent All Blacks on there. You know, you're on Twitter, having people interact with you, getting them to ask you questions. You're on social media, chucking up content that you do sort of prior and after games. And why is it such a space that you? like getting into and like why is it that some boys are for it and against it or not against it but just not as keen on it
1: i think it's that i love american sports too and i find twitter a real easy way to connect with someone in the randomness of places i i I can filter through the questions too so when i say hey come ask me something (laughs) i ain't answering everything like there's some there's always like like, or barrett like there's all these questions i ain't gonna i'm not putting Mm. my foot in saying but if you're asking me something that you want to know and like I said, it's an easy way to connect, make someone's day, like, you know, young fellow in Japan or the other night in Zimbabwe. He's like, thanks, man. And like, love it. And cool. Like, it's a cool way to connect and easy, like just to connect with your fans. And then I think with Instagram and stuff, it's around like Americans and that we're not like that. And we're about our team and we're about the jersey we wear and stuff. But I think with the, like Rico, TJ, myself and are trying to, be more creative with our content and and keep up with like what's going on overseas. You know, like NBA and all that. They like lead the way and everything. But like rugby, still has to find its own niche. Like we 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 respect and I think people don't get. Everyone wants to see behind the curtain and that. But you have got to keep certain things behind the curtain and you got to respect mm-hmm. layers. Like not everyone in that team wants to be filmed. Not everyone wants to be in the back of your photos. Not everyone wants to be in a video some boys don't give a shoot and you've got to respect that there's 39 other dudes that maybe not don't care you know but that's where i think and i think the all blacks have really embraced it now we've got like two or three cameramen that give us photos to use the videoing stuff like that they're there all the time now and the content they're putting out is good because i think we're lagging a bit now we're right up with it like the all black social media now like gold music the clips the guys that are doing it are great and we just take a lot of that and we use it in our own. But I think that's the thing. People want to see more in depth and in the sheds. But remember, we play a sport that we're highly scrutinized and we're probably the most watched or um, looked out team to like try and find a way to defeat us, you know. And mm. we can't give away too much. And I think people say that. So I'm always open to sharing what I think and what I want and what I think and trying to be cool and creative with content and try and watch stuff that or put stuff out that I'd like to look at. That's sort of always what I think. Shit, Odell Beckham Jr. did this. I'm like, I text my guy, I'm like, we should do something like this. I'm not as cool as him, but let's do it. And, you know, just trying to create a content instead of one photo, like, I can pass. Like, trying to get creative with it. Mm. Instagram moves so fast, but love the interaction and that. But I think when people want more behind the curtain, like, it's not our choice. The team comes first and we can't put out stuff that, makes other people feel uncomfortable and we don't want to give away because some of the stuff that people want to see is only stuff we're allowed to see because we've earned the right to wear the jersey. Mm -hmm. That should only be seen by us. And I think that some people don't like that because they think they own the jersey or they own it because they're big All Blacks fans. But when you're privileged enough to play for the All Blacks, there's only things that All Blacks know that you get to see, you get to feel and I think that's the mystique of it, and and some stuff needs to say, Um, but I definitely think we talk about a lot, me and Rico, TJ, and Adi around trying to keep pushing it, and that's why, like, I come on with you, and that, because if you just stay like a locked book, um, you know, what does that gather, and how do you get information out there, how do you change minds, change perceptions, like, everyone will think I'm a code head, but I am, like, it's true, Mm -hmm. like, I love my job and you know I am a father and a husband but and I like know like my career what can't last forever so every moment I'm doing it I want to be the best.
0: It must be quite empowering now because you started off in the All Blacks at a time where social media was just sort of taken off to where like you know you talk about now how fast the likes of Instagram and Twitter moves and there's almost a changing of the guard where it used to be the reporters at the press conferences would be the ones that relay all the messages to us, the fans. Whereas like now, like we just mentioned, you can just jump on your phone and tell it like it is. So is it, is, is that something that you guys have talked
1: about a lot as well? Yeah. Like when I re this year, like being able to, you control the narrative and you control why, like that's cool. That's what they do in America now. Eh? Like they just copy and paste everything and ESPN just print that and the papers do it now too. And and I don't think they like it, but they can still write their opinion articles, but we can rebuttal back. But it's it's always one of those, like like I, I keep mine just like I'm promoting positive messaging. If you don't want to look at my stuff, don't look at it. And yeah, like if people write bad shit on your stuff, you just delete them and then so it's one of those, like, you know, you gotta just roll with it. But the journey from You know, like Carter at the start was so against Insta and now he's like the boss on it. So it's like, (laughs) he took a couple of years to get on it. And once he got on it, holy, (laughs) he was the fastest to a million. (laughs) Crazy. But hey, like, you know, all those guys and and that's just the way the world, and not everyone's about that, bro. Like I live on the space, like similar to you. I follow all the big dogs. I follow ESPN. I follow Bleacher Report. All the things that they just pump cool content everything now is like a highlight reel and that's mm. why you know, like 10 second clips and what's next and TikTok and like all these things are like they move so quick information spread so quickly so I just try to keep the messages positive and connect with fans when I can and that's sort of where I'm at with it like you know I'm not as hip and hoppity and cool as Rico and um, Artie but that's why I post a lot of stuff about training and that because people know I work really hard and that's that's my thing like i'm not trying to project something out that i'm a chef or saying i'm not a chef i play rugby i train for rugby um so yeah one day when i'm a wannabe golfer that's all i'll put up
0: (laughs) i think it also does a great job to humanize you boys because like you said a lot of people put you up on a pedestal and just think you're a code head but with being able to interact with fans you know you can just show people that you're just one of the guys you're just Really good when you've got a rugby ball on your hands, really. Um, And I can hear your young fella in the back, so I think that might be my cue to try and wrap this up, bro. But grateful for you having listened to some of my other podcasts. So I'd like to wrap it up on two instances. First one being, can you take us to your game day routine, please?
1: Um, Game day, I try to sleep in if my boy lets me. My wife usually lets (laughs) me sleep in a bit that day. I don't have brickie. I go and have a coffee. We always go out for brunch or a coffee. Um, i have like a wrap um, like a chicken and mesh and cheese and stuff like a chicken wrap light wrap then at three o'clock we have pre-match meal with the team always and then we go on the bus and go through our moves one more time after that i have I, my i'll pack my bag uh, clean my boots and then i'll have an hour nap probably before the bus leaves so i have an hour nap if it's a big game, I'll probably just stare at the roof. <laughs> but I try to just turn off and then shower, have a shave, headphones in, go down, make a coffee, get on the bus. Not quite into music anymore. I sort of listen to podcasts around high performance or something on the way to the game. And then, yeah, I deep heat everything before I run out for a warm-up. Like I all the boys give me stick, I get in my undies and just deep heat everything, get my old carcass hot. And if it's a long bus trip, I'll have a um I'll have a cold shower when we get there just to wake up. So if it's over 30 minutes, some of our trips and overseas can be forty five to an hour of sitting there. So sort of get to the stadium. Nick Gill showed us that our All Blacks trainer around just waking up and we have to kind of cold shower, reset and then get going so short trips doesn't matter but if you feel a bit sluggish cold shower dry off and then you're on so that's sort of my game day I don't uh I don't think about it too much in the morning or anything but after that walkthrough and that I'm pretty much in uh what I call Batman mode just let's go
0: left boot right boot nothing like that
1: yeah left sock right sock left boot right boot the one time I put my right boot on first I broke my leg so I uh never put that boot on first at all
0: <laughs> there you go a bit of gold and on to my second part bro score 10 in the bin 10 questions 10 that answers me. please all right now i know you, you haven't i know you've given up drinking but in your heyday what was your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out
1: oh nah, just a nice try star yeah. even now the space summit zero it's good
0: yeah bro. great stuff uh who's the biggest coach you've been around but just coach's pet, sorry, coach's pet.
1: Who's the biggest coach's pet I've been around? Oh, the boys will probably say me, but um, Nasi Manu and uh, Jamie Joseph, like they like, when he was captain, they used to have like a love-hate. Nasi would party hard and then he'd be like, you can't do that, you got to lead the boys. And it was funny, <laughs> it was crack up. But probably Nasi and Jamie were like two peas in a pot, two big men, they loved each other.
0: Uh, who was your idol growing up?
1: Um, oh, Tana Umanga. Loved Tana. He had the dreads, captain of the Hurricanes, scored all the tries, tackled, jackled He was the man. Ua, Umanga. I remember. I was a big fan.
0: You're a legend. Uh, what's your must on a day off?
1: Um, Mahi walk, or my 500 calorie walk. Favorite achievement? Macca's big order. Triple cheeseburger. Ten pack of nuggets, uh, two cheeseburgers, Big Mac, L&P, let's go. After every game, I get that if I'm at home.
0: True, and it doesn't affect the skinny the next day.
1: Well, I might up at six, burning <laughs> it <dinner. laughs>
0: Fair enough, bro. Um, if you weren't a rugby player, what would you be?
1: Golfer. Nah, I wish. Um, I don't know, bro. I, I think I'd love to. I probably would have got into PT or something, I reckon.
0: What about the hairdressing, bro? Oh
1: nah. That that it was it was it was a flash in the pan and something I really enjoyed, but nah, couldn't do it again.
0: Very yeah, cool, bro. I gotta say, like anyone who cuts hair has to have the confidence of doom. Um, and it the cool. patience, bro.
1: not as it wasn't as hard back then, though. The fades in that now are next level. I couldn't do that. I was more of a hairdresser, yeah.
0: Um, who's the cheapest teammate you've been around?
1: Ash Dixon, easy. I've never seen his wallet to this day. <laughs> Honestly, I've never seen it. You know it too, Ash. You're a cheap ass.
0: Is he first hand up when someone's asking for rounds as well?
1: (laughs) No, he'll just sit there. And one of the young boys will bring him a beer probably.
0: (laughs) Fair enough, bro. Um, You've talked about you, you're listening to podcasts more when you're getting into your your game day routines. Is there one that you're listening to at the moment that you could recommend to the
1: listeners? Oh, it's pretty deep, but. Uh, the high, high Performance Podcast, Johnny Wilkinson. Now, it's out the gate because he talks about uh, like high performance and how much he let the pressure eat him up early in his career and then went unlocked, but it's deep. Go listen to it if you're into that. It's deep.
0: Yeah, bro. Definitely had to chuck it on my Spotify. Uh, who's the biggest grub you've played with and against?
1: Uh, Brady Retallick, both. He's a grub to play with and against. He is, even at training, mate, walkthroughs, he's taking people out. He's hard <laughs> out, man. He's awesome to play with, but man, he's mm. hard.
0: Yeah, there. Yeah. All right, bro. Last question. Just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for...
1: 40. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, though. No. All right, bro, my, bro. The,
0: bro. best diplomatic answer. Um, like I mentioned at the start of this podcast, my man, this is a real privilege. Again, very grateful for your time, very grateful for your following. And take care of yourself while we're in this pandemic.
1: Thank you, my bro. Cheers for the opportunity. Awesome. And uh, can't wait to hear it and uh, hear more of your podcast. Cheers, my bro.